We are almost there. The Oklahoma Sooners start their 2022 college football season on Saturday afternoon. We're going to break down what they need to do against the UTEP Miners in order to come out victorious. We also got some lines from Bet Online that we're going to talk about as well for some of the big marquee matchups of the weekend on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the show there, hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. Josh Helmer from 94.7 The Ref in Norman. He's not going to be able to join me tonight. He got caught in a a weather delay uh, broadcasting high school sports as part of his day job there at The Ref. So Shout out to you, Josh. We'll see you next week when we break down all things Oklahoma and UTEP. Let's talk about the UTEP Miners real quick because this is a team that's already played a game. They're 0-1, dropped a, a the Week 0 matchup to the UNT Mean Green, the Screaming Eagles, whatever you know them by. Uh, but it was one of those games where UTEP was in it early. It was a 14-13 game at halftime. And then things just kind of petered out uh, for the Miners. They ended up giving up 17 unanswered points in the second half uh, and really were kind of an all or nothing, played kind of an all or nothing game. Uh, you know, they got a big 32-yard passing touchdown to open the scoring in the first quarter um, and then were able to tack on a couple field goals or, yeah, a couple field goals in the second quarter. But that was really all the offense that they could muster um, for much of that matchup. And a lot of it is due to just inefficiency. You know, the, the quarterback, Gavin Hardison, he only completed 43.8% of his passes, uh, still threw for 293 yards, which is pretty solid. I mean, considering you complete less than 50% of your passes. But again, that kind of speaks to the all or nothing nature of this UTEP Miners team. On the ground, they only ran for, you know, they averaged 3.6 yards per carry. It was not a great rushing performance, only 107 yards on 30 attempts. Um, and so I think this is an area where Oklahoma's defense is going to really have the advantage because UTEP's just not an efficient offensive team. And UNT might be a pretty good team. It's early in the season. It's hard to know exactly what these teams are going to look like later on down the road. But you would think that they would be able to fare a little bit better against a conference opponent opponent in an early conference USA matchup. Uh, the you know UTEP, again, 3.6 yards per carry. 5.1 yards per play. They had 22 first downs. You know, they averaged, you know, uh, they had 293 yard passing. And the turnover battle between UNT and UTEP was actually fairly even, only turned the ball over one time apiece. On defense for the Oklahoma Sooners, I don't feel like they're going to have much problem. Now, you could say this a lot of times about, you know, a, a Power Five team against many of the group of five teams. But if we see, you know, we look at what happened with Oklahoma State, I mean, they gave up a ton of points to the uh, Central Michigan Chippewas tonight. 
Now, Oklahoma State scored a ton themselves, and they were able to come out with the win, but the defense did not look good for Oklahoma State in that one. I think Oklahoma's defense is going to fare much, much better against UTEP. One, UTEP doesn't necessarily have the offense that Central Michigan does. Central Michigan, for years, has been able to produce really, really strong offensive teams. But the inefficiencies that UTEP has at quarterback in the running game, I think that's going to just bode really, really well for Oklahoma's defense. Uh, on the offensive side of the football, again, you know, Brent Venables talked about you know they have a hard playing defense. They play really well. They play with discipline. But again, UNT just scored 31 points against them. They were able to run for 163 yards and at an average of four yards per carry. Uh, in the passing game, you know, they com- their quarterback completed 55.2% of his passes uh, and didn't have to throw for a big number. He only threw for 236 yards, but he did have three touchdowns. Again, they had 24 first downs. Uh, and U- uh, UNT even had more penalty yards and more penalties than UTEP did in I mean, everything else was fairly even except that UNT was able to score touchdowns to win the game, and they were good in the second half. Oklahoma isn't going to have that problem where they're going to you know, be good one half and not so good the, the next. I really don't think UTEP stands much of a chance in this one. Uh, you know, you look at the point spread, which you know we'll talk more about what that looks like later in the show with Bet Online, but there's a reason that the point spread is 30 plus. I mean, it's moved a little bit over the last few months. Just the other day, it was, you know, Oklahoma minus 31. Now it's Oklahoma minus 30. Uh, does that mean that the sports books are souring on Oklahoma heading into the week one matchup? Not necessarily. Now there are some rumblings that one of their starters is going to be out. Uh, we have nothing confirmed from the university, but that's what the rumor out there is, is that the starting right tackle Wanya Morris is likely to be out uh, for this game and the next game. So maybe that moves the line a little bit, but again, that's not confirmed. That's just kind of rumblings you're seeing on social media, people that you talk to that everybody's kind of hearing the same thing, but again, nothing confirmed from the university. We probably won't know anything until we see Oklahoma's offense roll out the first time and, and see who's going to be starting at right tackle. But it sounds like it may not be Wanya Morris. And that could have moved the line, but I don't think that that's enough. I think what's probably happening is that maybe a lot of folks are taking UTEP plus the points in this matchup, not thinking that Oklahoma is going to be able to cover. And that's what's moving the line. The the favorable betting towards UTEP is moving the line in, in their favor. But offensively for Oklahoma, let's talk about some keys. Establish the running game. I think that's going to be huge. We got to see that Eric Gray can carry the load. A little bit, we got to see that he's going to be able to, you know, take 10, 15, 17 carries in a game and be as effective with, you know, five carries as he might be with 17 carries. Now, this is a, a strong, solid dude. He's not going to wear down. I mean, nobody in, you know, Jerry Schmidt's strength and conditioning program is going to wear down. They're not going to have any issues with conditioning in this game. Now, it, it might be a little bit different because it's going to be, you know, hot. It's going to be against another team but they're prepared for this. So I want to see Eric Gray. I want to see him get a healthy amount of touches to to see that he's able to carry the load. I don't necessarily think he and most of the starters are going to play much in the second half because I think it'll be that kind of a game where it's that lopsided. But I do want to see him get a healthy workload in the first half just to gear him up for the grind and gear him up to be that lead ball carrier for the Oklahoma Sooners, which they're planning on him to be. I also want to see them hit some big plays. They're, they're going to be selective. They're not going to necessarily be chunking the ball downfield every single drop back, 
But what would make me feel really, really good about this team in this game and then moving forward is their ability to hit big plays, not just to Marvin Mims, but to other guys as well. And I think one thing that's great about the trio of wide receivers that Oklahoma is going to be deploying offensively is that Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, and Jaleel Farouk are all capable of making big plays after the catch. And that's really great for an offense. Yeah, it's great if you can, you know, throw the ball 50 yards downfield, your receiver runs underneath it and then walks in for a touchdown. That's fantastic. That's awesome. But those are a very small percentage of plays in a game or in a season where that's actually the case, unless you have Marquise Brown or Didi Westbrook, you know, playing wide receiver for you. And so you need to have wide receivers that can make plays after the catch. And Oklahoma has that because most of what it's going to happen, most of the quarterback's attempts are going to be in that five to 15, 20 yard range of the field. And so you want your wide receivers to make be able to get extra yards after that. And we saw Jaleel Farouk do that in the Oregon game in the Alamo Bowl. We've seen Theo Weiss do that over you know the first couple of years of his tenure before getting hurt last year. And we've seen Marvin Mims at times being able to make big plays after the catch as well. So that's those are the kind of the two things that I'm looking for offensively. I think the offense is going to be efficient. I think they're going to get a lot of first downs. I think they're going to be able to impose their will uh, at the offensive line or with the offensive line in the running game at the point of attack. I like what Oklahoma's offense is going to be able to do here, but the two things I want to see are an efficient and explosive rush rushing attack and then plays after the catch, yards after catch. That is a very critical key to an offense because you don't want to slog away every time you throw the ball, like eight yards here, seven yards here, you know, 12 yards here. I mean, it's great if you can have that kind of efficiency, but one of the things that we saw last year from this team is they didn't create a lot of yards after the catch unless it was Marvin Mims. Jaden Hazelwood was solid, but again, he didn't create a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, you know, Mario Williams had, had some good moments, but again, not a lot of yak. So I want to see this wide receiver group, Jaleel Farouk, Theo Weiss in particular, able to make yards happen after the reception. And again, Eric Gray have an efficient rushing day. We're going to talk some keys on the other side of the break for the defense and what they need to do in order to win the game for the Oklahoma Sooners, slow down UTEP. And we'll also have some bold predictions as well. But first, let's talk. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? Well, you might end up driving below the speed limit. That's one thing that can happen. But, you know, the truth is your reaction times kind of slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. You've been using marijuana in any form. Do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. This message from the National or the NHTSA. Again, thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Make sure you also check out one of the other great Locked On shows. We've got Locked On Big 12, hosted by our guy Josh Neighbors. Hit that up for all the great content that you'll be getting from him. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to have great reactions to the Backyard Brawl. Man, that was a fantastic game. If you didn't get a chance to see that game, man, you really, really missed out. That's one of the oldest rivalries in college football, especially up there in the East Coast, Northeast part of the country between Pitt and West Virginia. A game we're between two schools who are only 76 miles apart. So we talk about OU and Texas being close proximity, meeting three hours away. These two are only 76 miles apart. They haven't played in 10 years, much like Oklahoma and Nebraska before last season. So that stadium up there in Pittsburgh was just absolutely hopping. And it was a great game. It came down to the wire. You know, West Virginia was in a position. They almost got a fingertip catch at the one yard line as they're trying to 
you know, go in to tie the game. Just a lot of momentum shifts and back and forth. But the thing that I saw from West Virginia, just talk about this briefly real quick, is a team that is going to be capable of competing with a lot of the Big 12's best this year. They're going to be in contention. I think they'll be one of the top five teams, top four teams. I know we're a lot, we're talking a lot about Kansas State for those that cover the conference, but to me, it's West Virginia. And, I, and I've been thinking on this train for months. If you went, to, if you listen to the Locked On Big Twelve roundtables, that's the team that I've thought. Okay, if we're talking dark horse that could contend for the Big Twelve, West Virginia. JT Daniels had a really good game. I mean, the interception they got returned for a touchdown that went right through the wide receiver's hands. What are you going to do? Like he put it right on the guy right on his hands, right in front of his face mask, exactly where you're supposed to throw the ball as a quarterback. It slipped right through the guy's hands, right into the defensive back, who apparently is a really fast runner and just ran away from everybody for a touchdown that they ended up winning the game. So I think West Virginia is going to be a problem this year. Their defense is going to be good. Now they gave up 38 or 31 points offensively, but I think they're going to be a problem. We'll keep on that. We'll see how that goes. But JT Daniels gives them actual quarterback play that they really haven't had in Neil Brown's tenure there as the head coach of West Virginia. On the defensive side for the Oklahoma Sooners heading into this matchup with UTEP, the thing I want to see most, I don't want to see a lot of big plays. UTEP's best chance at staying in the game and gaining some momentum and potentially uh, having a chance to win this game is they got to hit big plays. Like They're not going to be able to go on eight play, 12 play, 15 play drives against this Oklahoma defense and find much success because what we know about Brent Venables and what he wants to do defensively is he wants to attack. He wants to be relentless and aggressive. And the more times that you make your quarterback sit back in the pocket and face this rush, the more times you're, you're asking for a bad thing to happen, a pressure that leads to a sack or pressure that leads to a turnover a pressure that leads to you know a drop on third down. And so you don't want to have that guy out there. Now teams are going to try and do that to Oklahoma, much like they did last year, where they're going to try and keep, you know, keep the ball away from the Oklahoma Sooners offense. But we finally have a defense, I think, that's not going to allow teams to do that. I think Oklahoma in the last couple of years, last year in particular, was more than willing to let everybody kind of play in front of them and more than willing to let them dink and dunk around the field. No, I don't think that's going to happen with this team. What we saw in the spring game is it's a defense that's going to rally to the football. It's a defense that's going to create a lot of pressure on the passer. And a guy that wasn't very efficient in week one, you know, completing under 45% of his passes, I don't think he's going to be any more efficient in week two, or sorry, week zero, now week one against the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, I'd love to see them, you know, create some turnovers. I, I, my bold predictions, which I'm going to be releasing at soonerswire.com, I'm kind of bold prediction i think they're going to get eight sacks i think they're going to be just non-stop in the backfield creating splash plays and taking down the quarterback because eventually utep's going to have to be playing catch up and that means you're going to have to drop back to pass more i'm really looking forward to watching billy bowman at safety i think this is one of the guys that could be a breakout player for the oklahoma Sooners. somebody who can really transform the back end of that defense with his athleticism his ball skills and once he gets his hands on the football, he's going to be able to do something with it. Now they're going from two very experienced safeties and Patrick Fields and Deller and Turner Yell. You know, DTY, he's in the NFL. Pat Fields is at Stanford. He'll be in the NFL one day. But I think the athleticism that they have between Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence and then kind of the toughness and the edge that they have between Key Lawrence and Justin Broyles, I think that's going to kind of transform the back end of that defense. Where they're not going to just allow a lot of easy stuff anymore. So I like that. 
I'm really looking forward to seeing what Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu have at the inside linebacker positions, the Mike and Will. And then, you know, we've talked about the defensive end trio, the Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling unit. I mean, you might even be able to throw R. Mason Thomas into that, the guy who's backing up you know, both defensive end spots. I think that's significant. I think there's something to that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing the the speed and the ability that comes off the edge on the at the defensive end position. And then, you know, UTEP did not run very efficiently in week one, in week zero. I keep doing that against UNT. They're not going to be able to run very, very efficiently against a defensive front that includes Jeffrey Johnson and Jalen Redmond and Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly. Like this de- defensive interior is stout. They're strong. They're big. They're muscular. They're powerful. They're fast. They're quick. They're going to be able to get into the backfield, but they're also going to be holding up offensive linemen and not allowing much happen in the middle and then allowing the defensive ends to crash down from the outside, the linebackers to fro- flow freely. And again, I, I don't think. UTEP's going to have much success running the football against the Oklahoma Sooners. But let's talk some about your bold predictions. I put this out there on the Locked On Sooners Twitter account. If you're not following Locked On Sooners on Twitter, make sure you go do that at Locked On Sooners. And I just asked, hey, bold predictions for Saturday's game. Go. And Jessica Bame said this bold prediction OU hits the over by themselves. So right now, Bet Online's got the over under set at 57. So she's predicting that Oklahoma, bold prediction, will score 58 points or more. Hey, not outside the question with how good we think this offense is going to be. And then uh, the gunny of Stutzman Army, he says, bold prediction, Gabriel throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns in the first half. The running backs combined for 300 yards and four TDs, and the defense has eight sacks and a defensive touchdown. I love it. I love it, Gunny. Let's see it happen. That's going to be a good one. I think everybody's looking forward to seeing some defensive splash plays. Um, And then Brandon Thayer, he says, Oklahoma's defense forces a shutout. I'm right there, man. I think that's well within the realm of possibility. I mean, bold predictions, like we're kind of looking at things that are unlikely to happen, but definitely could happen. I like it. I think think the shutout is probably – um, more likely than we think it's going to be just because we're so much so used to these teams like you know UTEP or whoever else UNT you know these kind of teams at least scoring a touchdown getting 10 points something like that and so yeah it would not surprise me if that happened but it also would not surprise me if this defense comes out and makes a statement right away kicking off the Brent Venables era uh, Steve Bullard <laughs> uh, I think he's joking here but he says Zach Schmidt scores a touchdown he says don't ask me how that's pretty bold. I mean, probably have to be on a fake field goal run uh, for Schmidt there, for Zach Schmidt. Um, and then, yeah, that, those are kind of the, the ones. Oh, wait, there's one more here from Spencer Staggs, and it's not that bold, but OU wins by 45, and then Natty starts talk. I don't think the national championship talk will begin uh, after this UTEP game. I think a lot of people are still going to be taking a wait-and-see mentality, at least through Nebraska, Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, that those first four games against power five opponents, Nebraska, and then the first three games of the conference uh, run. I think that's when, if Oklahoma is able to get through those first six games undefeated and winning in, in positive fashion, winning in big fashions, then maybe you might hear them start talking about the national title. But again, a lot of it's going to come down to Texas, Oklahoma state, Baylor. I know a lot of people, again, throwing heat behind Kansas state. I'm just not there yet. I don't, Deuce Vaughn's great. 
Felix Enedike Uzoma is fantastic as well. Adrian Martinez has a lot to prove to me. We'll see how it plays out. And then Oklahoma State, we're seeing the offense that Spencer Sanders is going to be putting on the field this year. He just kind of carried over his Notre Dame performance uh, into this week one matchup. Week, yeah, week one matchup against Central Michigan. The week zero thing, the week one thing, it's got me all confused after covering the NFL for so long. Like, if it's the first week of the college football season, then just call that week one. Quit calling it week zero. Like, just quit messing with everybody. Anyway, I digress. We're going to talk about some bet online odds. Bet online, you know, sponsor the show, but they provide also great uh, odds, lines, props for you to just follow college football. And so I'm going to give you my picks. If Josh were here, he'd be giving you his picks as well, but we'll catch him next week. He's I'm gonna get a little bit of a head start, but he's going to have a better chance to, to kind of catch up in the winning percentage uh, aspect of this. So let's talk through some of the big 12 matchups here. Not all these games have odds from bet online, but we'll talk about the ones that do uh, TCU right now is a minus 13 and a half favorite according to bet online versus Colorado. I know TCU's offense is going to be pretty good. This is a difficult one for me, though, because I don't know what TCU's defense is going to look like. And Colorado seems to be a bit of a wild card. But a two-touchdown win for the Horned Frogs, it wouldn't shock me one bit. So I'm going to take TCU minus the 13.5 versus uh, old Big 12 foe and, hey, maybe one day future Big 12 foe Colorado Buffaloes uh, in this week one matchup. Texas, this they're a minus 37 and a half favorite over the University of Louisiana Monroe. A lot of times when I'm looking at these odds, I really have a hard time with you know point spreads greater than 30 because you just never know what could get weird and how the end of the game could get weird. Texas, you know, they're starting three freshman offensive linemen, certainly a true, not a true freshman, but a freshman quarterback who's never played it down in college football. Now they've got Bajon Robinson. They've got Xavier Worthy. They've got some solid pieces on the defense, including you know, DeMarvian Overshone. So there's good pieces there. I just have a hard time with the 30-plus the point totals. But that said, I think with all of the things that have transpired with Texas, the 5-7 the and seven season, the hot seat Sark, the quarterback competition, everything that's gone on, over the last you know 10 months, much like Oklahoma, I think is going to have this team galvanized and ready to really put on a show and, and make a statement against a lesser opponent. And if they're able to hit that 38 points, 37 and a half point spread, if they're able to cover that, I think that would be impressive. You know, week one of the Quinn Ewers era, it wouldn't necessarily tell the whole story about what this season is going to look like for the Texas Longhorns. But I do think that they cover that. Again, I always have a hard time with, you know, point spreads that are 30 or more or 37, 30, you know, approaching 40 but this time i don't know i feel pretty good about texas winning this one outright but also feel good about them just putting on a show offensively and just blowing the doors off of ul monroe uh we'll we'll touch on a few more big 12 games again these ones don't have point spreads i think a lot of it is due to the fcs opponents that the big 12 will be playing kansas versus tennessee tech give me kansas man i think they're gonna continue the good times on this one and start the season one and oh for the second straight season uh but again, a lot of what their season looks like is going to happen down the road. Again, this is against a Tennessee Tech team that is an FCS opponent. Kansas should beat them, especially if the optimism is warranted. Lance Leipold just got another year added to the end of his deal. So they must be feeling really good up there in Lawrence. Iowa State takes on Southeast Missouri State. Again, no line here from Bet Online. 
I think Iowa State rolls. This is not the same Iowa State team that we've seen. Brock Purdy, who's been the starting quarterback since like October of 2018, won't be starting for the the Cyclones this year. It's going to be Hunter Deckers. But the dude's an athlete. He can play ball. He can make things happen with his legs and create big plays that way. I think we'll see a a strong start to the season from Iowa State. I think, again, they'll be looking to make a statement uh, against a lesser opponent. Baylor versus Albany. It's Baylor, obviously. Uh, But I think they're going to score like 40-something points. This is not going to be your Baylor team from last year. Blake Shapin is a better passer than Gary Bohannon. I don't necessarily think he's as good of a rusher. We'll see how well he holds on to the football because Bohannon did. He was a very good you know, protector of the football. Uh, then K-State is going to beat South Dakota. And then you know, Tech, te- Texas Tech will beat Murray State. The Big 12 should have a pretty good weekend against a lot of lesser opponents. Obviously, West Virginia lost to Pitt in a heartbreaker. Uh, Oklahoma State put on a show offensively, but their defense – struggle that was struggle bus 101 from oklahoma state's defense jim knowles apparently and you know malcolm rodriguez and several other guys made a huge difference on that defense all right let's talk about some notable games happening around college football as well the marquee matchups for the weekend you got oregon versus georgia georgia right now is a minus 17 point favorite over oregon and i get why at the same time 17 is a lot to lay in a matchup between two, you know, big time power five programs. Now, Oregon was down a little bit last year, but I think I, I just have the sense that they're going to cover that one. I don't know why I, I like Stetson Bennett. I think he's a good quarterback. I just don't know if offensively they're going to be uh, putting up a ton of points. Like, are they going to score enough points to cover that 17 points? Remember Oregon last year, they, they beat Ohio state in the season opener. It played really strong defense kept that game really close and were able to, to win it, you know, later in the game. I think that's kind of how this goes. You know, I, I don't know if, or I don't think Oregon wins this one, but I do think they do enough to cover uh, the point spread here. Uh, Notre Dame versus Ohio state. Ohio state is a minus 17 point favorite over there at bet online. And unlike the 17 points I'm letting Oregon have, I'm going to, I'm going to take Ohio state minus the points. I think the way their season started last year, with the loss to Oregon, I think they're going to want to come out guns blazing in this one over Notre Dame. And, I mean, again, Ohio, Indiana, close proximity. There's a lot riding on this game regionally. And Ohio State is a national title contender. If they want to really solidify their place this early in the season, they got to have a big win over Notre Dame. C.J. Stroud, a Heisman favorite. They've got arguably the best wide receiver, the best running back in the nation, and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Trayvon Henderson. They've got arguably the best quarterback in the country in C.J. Stroud. Ryan Day's a great offensive coordinator. I think this offense is going to put up a ton of points this year. Uh, so give me Ohio State minus the 17 points uh, against Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to be good. I think they're going to be really good. I think they'll bounce back uh, from a loss to Ohio State. But I think it's going to be one of those they have to build themselves back up uh, to potentially contend for a college football playoff spot. Uh, a couple more interesting lines. Let's look at Arkansas, who's a minus six and a half favorite versus Cincinnati. This is not the same Cincinnati team we saw a year ago. Desmond Ritter's gone. They lost a ton of guys to the NFL, especially in the first couple of rounds. Cincinnati, I think, will still be good. I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to uh, beat Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks on the road in Fayetteville. So give me Arkansas minus the six and a half. 
And then finally, the last game we're going to touch on, well, two more games we've got to touch on, but we got Utah minus three against Florida on the road to Gainesville. Give me the give me the Utes, the two Utes. No, give me the Utes minus the three points. What that tells me is they see Utah as a six-point favorite in this game, but because of the the road atmosphere for Utah, that's going to deduct some points and the point spread. But I, I still like Utah minus the three. I think they still feel like they've got a lot to prove after the Rose Bowl loss to Ohio State. Uh, even though they won the Pac-12, I think a lot of people are overlooking them a little bit because of USC and everything that's happened down there in Los Angeles. And again, Dan Lanning going to Oregon. I think Utah is going to come in with a chip on their shoulder still be like, okay, you know, I mean, yes, we're highly ranked. There's some people that are projecting us to be in the college football playoff this year, but I think they're still feeling a little bit overlooked. They'll go into to play Florida um, and a Florida team that, you know, has a little bit of, you know, turnover themselves, you know, with the, the hire of I'm blanking on the, the head coach's name now from that, that went over to Florida, but yeah, give me the Utes minus the three points on the road. That'd be a marquee win for them to start the season uh, against a strong, you know, at least second, third tier SEC program. Finally, let's get to Oklahoma UTEP. I'm giving you my predictions here. We're looking at Oklahoma minus 30 points against UTEP. Man, give me Oklahoma minus the 30. I really think that they cover this one fairly easily. I like the Sooners offense. I think they're going to be explosive, but they're also going to be efficient. The defense, they're just not going to let UTEP have much success because of their own, of the miners' own inefficiencies. Oklahoma is going to take advantage of that. There will be several turnovers, several sacks. Oklahoma ends up winning big. I'm looking at a score of something like 56 to 7. So give me the over as well. Uh, the combined over is 57 right now over at Bet Online. So if you want to get in on that, you want to get in on that action, go to Bet Online, check that out where they got all the all the lines, all the props, all the odds uh, to get you through this first college football weekend. Hey, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the ears that are listening on the podcast side, all the eyes that are watching on the YouTube side. Again, thanks so much for subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Trying to get to uh, 3,000 subscribers by the time we get to Red River on October 8th. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on the YouTube side of things to help us out over there. And uh, man, hope you really enjoy your first Oklahoma Sooners college football weekend. The first of the Brent Venables era. It's going to be an exciting day in Norman. If you're able to make it out to the game, hope you have a blast. Make sure you uh, say hi to the folks over at the ref and uh, tell them that locked on Sooners sent you to say hi, big fans of them over there. Friends of the show. Had several of them on over the last couple of years, and I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary of hosting Locked On Sooners, and it's been a blast uh, being on this ride with you over the last couple of years, and all the things that we've endured as Oklahoma Sooners fans. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. But until next time, when we're going to talk about what happens on Saturday for Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. Catch you then, Boomer Sooner.